Hey guys, welcome to the Do Good Podcast. I am your host, Rob Watson, and in this episode, I've got a really inspiring conversation to share with you guys. It's with Natalie Fee, who's an environmental campaigner and the founder of the charity City to Sea, which is a non-profit organisation which has been running campaigns to prevent marine plastic pollution now for about the past three or four years and making incredible strides in that well as well, you know, engaging communities, they're working with retailers and lobbying manufacturers and government and with that you know been able to reverse some of the trends of you know disposable items to safeguard our seas so i chatted with natalie to find out here all about it and what was the reasons you know for first being inspired about it which is a really you know touching story in itself and the journey she's gone on and i think it's just testament to all of us that you know we can make a difference big or small and even though Natalie's making a huge difference with all the work she's doing and the impact she's making she's a real game changer in many respects for the work that she's doing uh, for the environment but we can all make a, an impact as well and we talk about Natalie's new book which is out now which is called how to save the world for free she's literally supposedly full of hundreds of uh, tips on how we can live a little bit more lightly on the earth so we talk about that and it is, it's, it's great to be able to just chat with people, you know, really are, and truly inspiring. And like she says, you know, she's not alone. There's millions of people now who are waking up, waking up to the call that we have to take some action, some positive action. So, yeah, I'll, I'll dive into today's episode. And a bit of an interesting one, this for me, it's the first time that I thought I've done a phone interview. I've all the other ones have been done, like I'll go see them face to face or if I do do them online, you know, it's a bit of a video call. So this one turned out to be a phone call. A bit of a challenge actually, it kind of felt like I was reverting back to when I first did one. I was a little bit, yeah, maybe I wasn't on the top of my game with this one, but I think I still got all the points across that we wanted to and allowed Natalie to share her story and her journey. So yeah, guys, anyway, hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's get on with it. First, Natalie, I really appreciate you taking the time out for, to chat with me today. I've been really inspired listening to your TEDx talk and reading all about your journey and stuff. And it's, it's been quite a journey and an adventure for you. And it really, really inspiring the way you've kind of, it seems like you've kind of just gone along with what's felt right and made it up as you've gone along. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, but done it beautifully. And that's a really good lesson for life, isn't it? I think if we plan too far ahead, we can um, maybe get stuck in the planning and not do enough action. So yeah. I listened to your um, TED talk to this morning and that was really, really inspiring. And I must admit, you know what, when I was listening about the, the Albatross film and the clips, oh, it, you know, oh, I felt so much pain when I was watching it. It was so sad. Mm. So sad. And, um, and it's interesting. It, sometimes we need that moment in life, don't we, where we're watching something or we read something to really pull us in a different direction. We can't have the blinkers on anymore. And what was interesting yeah. about that one is that, you know, that's, them islands are like a thousands of miles away, you know, from, 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 from anywhere. And they're actually getting washed up with all this plastic. So that's where the journey started for you then. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I've always been, um, like conscious of the environment really. And I've always been felt this kind of affinity and allegiance kind of or relationship really with nature, even though, my career hasn't always reflected that. I've definitely sort of always seen nature as an ally and a refuge and a source of inspiration and creativity and well-being. Um, and something, I think it was about 21, actually, I sort of first 
when I was traveling around South America, so 20 years ago now, um, that I, you know, came firsthand sort of face to face with things like deforestation and mining and big corporations and their effect on indigenous communities and things like that. So yeah, I kind of, you know, had my eyes opened up at quite a young age, but it, it took me um, well until my late thirties really to, to really kind of make that my, um, my focus. Because I'm always fascinated by people's backstories a little bit and the, where it takes them to get to. Because often, say someone was just to see you for the first time and they'd see that you're, you know, you're heading up a charity, you employ 30 staff, you know, you're going out really like, you know, making a huge difference. I think it's great to hear about that backstory so people can, who are not, who are in that position now and maybe they want to make that shift, they want to make that change in the, in the world, in the life. So to hear them journey. So I believe you were, did you go to, you were like in the IT recruitment, were you in the nineties and? Originally, yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I dropped out of, I dropped out of uni because it wasn't, it didn't feel like the right thing for me to be doing at the time. I didn't really know what I wanted to do in life. Um, so I, yeah, I had a sort of a bit of a winding career path really. I did the corporate sort of executive thing in, in, um, in London and around the UK for a few years and lots of money realized that that wasn't you know what makes us happy went off to south america traveled sort of saw a bit of the world and then thought uh, i think maybe the inner world is the inner journey is perhaps what we're here for so i then came back and trained as a yoga teacher and um and ended up moving to glastonbury and i lived there for for five years as a well and i kind of started writing as well so i wrote my first book when I was there raising my son. So yeah, and then that kind of, after that, I realized that I was actually felt like I'd in some way was born to perform or present or, you know, sort of telly and stage had always been a big, big part of my childhood. But then as I kind of got spiritual, as I was older, I kind of dismissed that as like, oh, it's very ego-based and it was very about sort of self-centered and I needed to do something that was much more of service not realizing that actually shining our light in the world and being who we really are and bringing our unique gifts to the world is of service. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think I was about 33 when I had this kind of crashing realization that I wasn't doing the work that I felt I was born to do. So I retrained in TV presenting, which again, I don't think was quite the right thing, but it was either that or acting and I chose TV presenting probably should have chosen acting <laughs> <laughs> um and uh when then came back and i got um uh I, I ended up moving to bristol seven years ago got a job working for an ethical tv production company and yeah learned the art and craft of creating content um telling stories producing films and then i went on to work at um our local tv company as a presenter and producer and then that's that's at that point when I started forming City to Sea in my spare time. It's interesting how even though some of them things might feel like they're separate in some ways, but it all forms the same thing, which gives you the experience and now to to be able to you know lead a, a quite big team and but also having that such like a real real focus on wanting to really make a difference and you used a term before about to be of service, but in a way you're saying you know you're shining your light in in that way now. Can you tell me a little bit more about your travels? You know, because I'm really interested. So you went to, you went to the Amazon, um, and yeah. what 
do you feel like that going seeing the world and doing them things really like had that big impact to sort of like trigger you to just you know to get yourself out of your you know our routine and our lives because we can live in our we can be quite have a blinkers on can't we and just you know we get up and might not even go and see too many different places or too many different people in a particular week or month as such mm. i mean i think it's hugely important for young people to to go out and see the world um these days they don't necessarily need to jump on a plane and do it maybe it could you know go into railing yeah. <laughs> um but you know why not if it is you know if it is that trip of a lifetime i think it's really important for us to 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 at least um yeah break the ties a little bit of where we grew up and our family and our friends and, and go out there and i think it does it does shape us and expand our perspective and expand our world a little bit um certainly more so than than not doing it would do yeah and um and yeah, I think, you know, did it matter that it was the Amazon? Did it matter that it was South America? I don't, I don't really know. I mean, it just felt like where I wanted to go. Um, and, but ultimately I ended up finding the teacher that I wanted to train with back in my hometown then of, of Southampton. So it was kind of that classic alchemist story of, you know, going away, looking for something, you know, taking all my baggage with me. Um, and then, realizing that it was sort of right at home all along but I think I needed to go on the journey <laughs> yeah. yeah that's an amazing book isn't it yeah, it book. yeah. Um, yeah it's true isn't it we don't necessarily have to look too far I think sometimes we need to escape what's in front of us but then you do need to sometimes shake yourself out of your comfort zone to to go and mm. see a different way to have a different perspective so it then led you to where you are now and you're, you know, you're running a city to the sea and it seems like you're really shaking things up and had a huge impact the past few years. Um, how did it all sort of start then? Because, you know, you've now got 30 staff, but it's obviously, you know, it must have started just for yourself. Yeah. Um, well, I, I just like we were talking about the, the footage of the Albatross um, trailer. So it was a clip from a film called Albatross by an artist called Chris Jordan. And that was the, the moment for me when I saw that clip that I knew I needed to do something about plastic pollution, like the strength of the grief and the reaction that I felt watching that was too powerful to ignore. And I didn't really have a choice in ignoring it. I just, I knew I had to do something. And I, I just started off with a crowdfunding campaign, I thought, as I dabble with music occasionally, I thought I would do a, a song. Um, well, I'd already written a song. I thought the music video could work if it was about plastic pollution. But as it turned out, as I tend to say, you know, I'm not Beyonce. I don't have a few million, tens of millions of followers that are going to, you know, hang off my every word and share my latest creation. So, you know, I, I realized even though this crowdfund was successful and it was still, a, I think, a great sort of artistic expression, it didn't have the impact that I was hoping it was going to have. It didn't kind of feel like it was going to change the world. So I went on from there to look at, well, what, what can I do locally in Bristol? We've got a problem with plastic spewing out of the River Avon here into the Bristol Channel and out to sea. So what can we do locally that could make a difference, that could be replicated in other cities around the world or around England? And and that that is sort of where it began really and then we, we kind of landed um on on a couple of campaigns through having connected to people in my community 
there was a, a, a couple of people that were interested in helping and we formed sort of the early city to sea team and got a little bit of funding in to run our refill start our refill campaign and also to start our switch the stick campaign so refill was all about getting people off of plastic bottles and refilling their water bottle on the go and switch the stick was all about getting uh, retailers to stop making cotton buds out of plastic and make them out of paper instead so that they were the two campaigns we we began with amazing you know to start from such small things but you really felt like you know there was you had to do something and there was an impact and i think now we're living in a world now where maybe 10 20 30 years ago you could maybe ignore these things but everywhere now you know through yourself your, your charity and what we're hearing you know the david attenborough effect but other things just you know what we're seeing in the world like we can't continue to just go on on this rampant consumerism of just more 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 uh, make more and more stuff but also making it without any sort of regard for the for the future and for the future generations and also for the for the planet itself so um it's you know it's, it's it's absolutely incredible and to see how far you've come and the impact you've made and even though you're getting changing at consumer level but you've actually really had an effect on like you know on the actual companies which seems to be that's such a big uh so important but i think you know we can all individually make some impact and, and change stuff which can be huge but for you to be having a real impact on the industry as well must um yeah you've kind of gone up it's like david versus goliath in a way and you've um, mm -hmm. and you've you know it's, it's really impressive how have, you, how have you found that in terms of when you've had to face up to some of them companies well i mean just to sort of comment on your point like i, I don't think the two are separate i don't think individual action and you know system change are separate things you know the only reason that we see these changes come about is because individuals start demanding it um and and the more we we demand it and the more we change our behavior the more we influence everything around us we are social creatures we don't do anything basically of our own accord especially you know if we think that it's going to challenge the status quo but um well we do do things but then we do it and we do it because other people are doing it we see it's safe to do so and we all start changing our behavior so individual action is is hugely hugely powerful um and it is what brings about massive change so um but yeah in terms of like the big the big businesses i mean to be honest there's not been like major resistance the with the cotton bud campaign that they you know, there was initially resistance, but when they saw that, you know, over 150,000 of their customers were calling for that change, they, they then agreed to make it. Um, and in the case of refill, which is very much a behavior change campaign, we've had a little bit of, you know, some griping from the bottled water industry, um, because obviously they don't want us saying that bottled water isn't the best thing ever. Um, so we've yeah we've had we've had some um sort of unhappy emails from them but generally the move very much here in the uk is towards less single-use plastic especially for items that we're only using for uh, you know a number of minutes if that if seconds you know within the case of stirrers and cotton buds so um so luckily now we're starting to see legislation slowly coming in that's going to ban things like cotton buds um stirrers and straws uh, and that's again it will come about because of individual action and people saying we don't want this yeah 
Definitely. I went to um, Glastonbury Festival this year and I think it was the first time that they banned single-use plastic. And I think it stopped potentially 2 plastic million. Plastic bottles, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, plastic, yeah potentially um, you know, stopped 2 million uh, plastic bottles during that time. Which you know that's a you know it's a decent little dent. It's not. I know okay. it's amazing. Yeah, um, and it was just you know people were like bring your own, either bring your own bottles or you can buy a reusable bottle when you're there. We all took our own. We use them anyway at home. And I think you've got some advice on your site about when people go traveling because you notice that when you go traveling, it can be a bit it can feel a little bit more challenging because yeah. you know you might not be able to get access to clean water sometimes, even though if you've got your bottle with you. Um, depending on where you are, whether you're, you know, different parts like India or in different parts of Asia, it might not be as easy, but it's great that you've got lots of tips, tips on that and how people can do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's been, it's been, the refill campaign has been absolutely incredible in terms of empowering communities to make a difference where they live and, and run refill communities we've got over 300 local schemes now um but that as you know you rightly say is is in the uk where we've got access to you know some of the best quality drinking water in the world coming out of our taps so we do try and encourage people that are traveling to buy a bottle that's got a filter in it so they can drink the water out of a tap but that it filters on the go so that they aren't still buying single-use plastic in those countries as well where they don't really have the recycling facilities or the waste facilities to to recycle or process the plastic anyway and in terms of the refill campaign so you said it's like community driven so there's what there's there's a few hundred now of people like teams that they're sort of like setting up them them zones for it yeah so i mean we've got like the big ones like refill london um but obviously london's so big that within refill london you've got like refill um brixton and refill um islington and what else have we we've got sort of lots of different refill campaigns within refill um and these are all powered by volunteers so yeah as i said over 300 local community schemes um, which has just been amazing. We work with the water industry, so they help fund it. And so we were able to then give away posters and stickers and training and resources to communities that wanted to run refill where they live. Oh, that's amazing. So, and who were the people, is it, is it businesses that are, uh, are opening the doors for people to, to get the refills? Or at some point, is there going to be like fountains in places as well for people? It's to a mix there? of both, yeah. I mean, initially it was very much focused on getting existing taps and cafes and shops, taps in cafes and shops and restaurants and, you know, any shop basically that had, had a publicly accessible tap or that they had a tap sort of within the, within the shop that they could fill people's bottles up from. So it was really just about giving people permission so they didn't have to feel awkward about going into a shop or cafe and asking for a free refill. They could just feel comfortable because they saw the sticker on the window or they saw on the app that they could go there. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been amazing to see it grow over the past or oh, three years um, now. Um, we've had over a quarter of a million people download the app, stopping over a hundred million plastic bottles by the end of this year, I think. So wow. yeah, it's been lovely to see that grow. Yeah, and it's only something that's just going to snowball as well, isn't it? It's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. And I think that's a key thing that you said, that knowing people that can go in there and they don't feel like they have to feel obliged to buy something from there, they can just, on the way, just nip in and get a refill. means that they don't have to buy a plastic bottle somewhere else. So, yeah, it's it's incredible. It really is incredible. And is there any particular, um, like, 
countries that you sort of feel like are really leading the charge with this that have inspired you along the way? Um, no, I mean, the UK is probably the leading, um, you know, in terms of what we've seen from the um, sort of plastic fighting NGOs, nonprofits here in the UK, and the way the media's got behind it in the UK, I definitely think um, sort of having researched uh, and seen other countries that, that the UK in terms of public awareness and plastic as an issue is riding high. Obviously other countries like Norway, um, Germany, who already have a deposit scheme, uh, you could say are doing better because you don't really see plastic bottles littering streets or rivers or beaches in those countries because they actually have a deposit scheme. So you could say we're completely tailing behind, but um, that is where our, I'm just going to say it, lame government (laughs) will not prioritize um, sort of, or hasn't been prioritizing environmental issues, even when they've been proven to be good for the circular economy, good for the environment. Um, So yeah, it's slightly frustrating, but I think, you know, in terms of media and public awareness, it's been, it's been fantastic. Well, maybe in a few weeks' time, we might be hopeful of getting a change with the government. We'll see. Maybe we'll see what we happens We shall there. see. Yeah. yeah. You know, you've obviously done some really great campaigns. It's nice to hear about some of the other ones, but is there a particular piece of work that you've done that you're really especially proud of? I mean, yes, I got all of it in a way. I mean, the, the Switch the Stick campaign was was pretty epic and getting all well, nine major retailers to stop making cotton buds out of plastic and the equivalent, you know, that's like 400 tonnes a year of cotton buds that aren't being made from plastic anymore and they're being made out of paper. So that that just felt really sort of juicy and tangible and like, oh my God, we can actually change the world. Like, we really can. So that was that was amazing. But that was, you know, back in 2016. So since then, I think the thing I've been most proud of at the moment is um, probably our, our Plastic Free Periods campaign, which has developed um, alongside the Plastic Free Periods sort of awareness raising and campaign work. We've built a schools program, which is now being rolled out for free across schools in the UK and anyone who's in education can request it for free any teachers can request it for free or even get trained in it or have someone come in and deliver the training but it's basically it's called rethink periods and it's an unbiased education program that talks about all aspects of menstruation but also focuses on the environment and shows uh, students the options that are available to them in terms of reusable menstrual products. So it gives students a hands-on experience of menstrual cups and washable pads and period pants. And it's just fantastic that, that this is now available. And instead of us just getting the sort of standard education from the big corporates who want us to use their plastic disposable products for the rest of our lives, we've actually got an alternative coming in, which is disrupting that. So I'm, I'm really, I'm, I am really proud of that. Yeah, it's, it is. It's absolutely incredible. And, and I guess you must be extremely proud of building the team that you have and, I know that was the other thing that sort of always, you know, in terms of when you said that of like, you know, the the, the third thing is always how um, it's really rewarding to see a team of 30 something staff. I don't run the organization anymore. Um, Rebecca's our CEO and she's hugely talented and capable and um, which frees me up to do more of the stuff that I'm good at, which is get out there and talk to people and 
um, write stuff and create stuff rather than run and shape a, a growing organization. So I've got an incredible team, which I am proud of and grateful for. How was that then? I'm interested to know from, um, was that quite, uh, was that easy for you to let go of the sort of it being run? Yes. In a way? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was really ready to let go. Of it. I'm great at starting things, terrible at carrying them on. <laughs> so, um, so kind of knowing, knowing my strengths and knowing that I'd, you know, I mean, for me, my, my book came out last month, so I've been really busy lately, um, you know, going around doing talks and promoting the book. So the fact that I've got a team here at City to see that can, you know, keep things moving and fresh and, um, you know, focused on the campaigns while I can go and, you know, talk to talk to people and share our work in the world is, is just fantastic. So, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't hard for me to let go of the bits that I'm not very good at. Well, that's really refreshing to hear and also very empowering is it because it's i think you know, a lot of us at times can maybe hold on to stuff when we need to let go and know that there's other people who are just as capable in fact more capable of of running things in certain ways than just to um yeah so that's really good otherwise you could have been still at the helm and you wouldn't have been able to concentrate your time and your energy on the things that you really you know you really feel like you bring value to no i know so does that mean then that you've got other interests and other visions for stuff that you want to go tackle besides things with just to do with maybe within the environment um no i think i think my focus is very much on the environment um i'm interested in creativity as well and you know how our work in the world how our creative expression um brings about change and how creativity can save the world my my book is called how to save the world for free and that looks at all the other things going wrong in the world other than plastic in terms of all the environmental issues that we're facing, but it's, it's primarily a practical, upbeat, playful guide to how we can all make a difference. So, um, so in one sense, yes, I am kind of shifting the dial a bit from talking just about plastic to talking about all the other subject areas as well, but it's really, I see myself more as like a, a sort of, um, like a, a road sign, <laughs> kind of like, you know, or an information point. I've kind of got all this information, which I deliver in a certain way, which hopefully is accessible to people. It's not, I'm not academic. So it's, I've got an honorary doctorate, but it's just an honorary one. Um, so I think I can communicate in a way that people relate to. And it's, I, I don't kind of um, tell people what they should do, but I hopefully inspire people to to think about what, which areas of their lives they can make an impact in or make a difference in. Yeah, well, I'll, um, I've, the, I love the, the style of the book as well, beautifully illustrated, so I'll be, um, I'll be buying that for a couple of people's um, stocking fillers, I reckon, for Christmas. Hooray! Thanks, Rob. Um, no, yeah, it's, um, I think the more information like that, and I think I read something about, you know, it's the tone of voice as well. It's very much like that, you said, I think is the term, like, you know, dangling the carrot rather than, you know, using the stick. And people don't like to be told what to do, but if they can be inspired and they can be guided along that path instead, then it's a much more harmonious outcome, I think, for everyone. I think so. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's definitely a place for the stick instead of the carrot. Like sometimes it's, we see something really shocking or painful, which just wakes us up out of our sort of stupor and, and it makes us see things differently and then choose to, and then we can choose to act. Um, 
and sometimes you know yeah real shocking information is what shifts us but generally it's it's needs to have a feeling attached to it so I like humor as much as possible but um but yeah there's definitely a place for for fear and and um and shocking stuff as well to to bring about change yeah so one thing that sort of uh, amazed me a little bit as well is just like hearing your story and the journey that you've gone on is like you seem to have a lot of self-confidence a lot of belief in yourself and you know where does that come from um well uh, it's interesting I think um I don't know that I do I mean I think I I do what I do I mean I, I could sort of talk about where my creativity comes from and I feel like I share that in the world, but I wouldn't say it's it's a confident sharing. I definitely have, as I'm sure many people do, a fair amount of um, old anxiety and sort of strange beliefs and patterns that I picked up from my parents that I still carry <laughs> despite years of work trying to unpick it. Um, so I think, you know, probably with... I don't have a very thick skin. So putting things out into the world, I'm quite often sort of find myself being um, anxious around how it's going to be received or if I'm going to say the right thing or the wrong thing, especially on the number of live TV things that I do. Um, So, but I think I do it, you know, I do it anyway because I think as, um, I'll say as an artist really, as someone kind of creating stuff and then putting it out into the world, um, I wouldn't just want to create stuff and then it just not go anywhere. I think it's about expressing ourselves into the world. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I'd say confident. I mean, I'm, I'm confident that we, we do need to support nature and we do need to change our relationship with nature if we are all to thrive. So I guess I could say I'm confident in the cause. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, humans, we have our fair share generally of, of inner stuff that goes on behind the scenes, um, that can, that can, we generally might have to work out or push through to, to be more present and, and less fearful. So in, in many ways, it's kind of this deeper meaning, um, and cause that is like, you know pulling you along, driving you, you know, because you feel like there's such a, you know, a desire and a need for it. And um, yeah, it's interesting to hear that as well and to see, you know, to, to, if you used to talk a little bit, you know, to be, you know, we've all got vulnerabilities and we all feel like, feel anxious because I think what can stop some people sometimes from doing stuff, they can feel, get excited about something and then they can be like, well, then that mind chatter kicks in them negative patterns saying you couldn't do that. And, you know, you're not good enough and, um, what's the point in your trying and stuff like that? And I think it's, um, yeah, we can all have that little voice say it into us. So it's great that you've just like, you know, you just, you plow forward and go, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to see where it leads me and I'll have fun along the way. And it seems like you're having a lot of fun with what you're doing as well. I do try and have a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think our videos are playful and our, our content, we try and keep upbeat and positive, uh, even if we're tackling serious subjects. Um, and yeah, I am generally quite a silly person by nature. So I enjoy that sharing that silliness with the world. Oh, that's good to hear. Have you got any sort of like big plans in terms of the city to see anything, like a big thing that you want to tackle? 
Yeah, sure. Well, I think um, well we're we're expanding our refill campaign to go beyond water, so so that people can use the app to see what else they can refill in their in their local area. So they can refill their uh, shampoo and conditioner, or they can refill their laundry liquids, or their find out where the nearest zero waste shop is, so that we can help people switch to. Um, using less packaging overall so not just switching away from plastic but actually switching away from single use so that's exciting we're piloting that at the moment in Bristol and in Oxford and I think you know for me really the focus is very much still on the book for the next few months really helping it get out there giving it its best um, start you know when you when you put a new product out there I think initially there's there's you know you have to work at it to get it out there and in people's minds and awareness um so so yeah and then with us and plastic and city to see it's always looking at how we can connect our actions to the ocean so you know our our, our refill campaign will continue to grow and our plastic free periods campaign and then we run a plastic free travel campaign in the summer and that is um last year we got a load of hotels to commit to switching away from their plastic mini bottles and start using refill um sort of containers and dispensers in the bedroom so we'll be working on that again this year um and yeah connecting plastics to climate breakdown and helping to educate people on how um uh, how plastics are linked to fossil fuels and carbon emissions and methane and that sort of thing so that's part of the the um the goals for 2020 as well sounds you've got plenty of things to keep yourselves busy with plenty of challenges ahead yeah i mean ideally you know we do ourselves out of a job and all of these environmental things would be tackled um but at the moment it looks like for the next five years we've got our work cut out at least and what do you think then? So obviously it's great that we're turning the ship around and we're going to stop putting enough plastic out. I think it's something like in Norway, which is, a foot, I think the, it's something incredible that like they recycle something like 90 plus percent of the plastic. So it's like as if they don't need to create any more plastic. And in some ways they say, and you know, okay, we've got all the plastic we need now. We don't need to create any more. We'll, we'll just, re, you know, we'll recycle and recreate from there. What do you, what do you think about though? Like, broader perspective and actually the damage that's already been created and the actual cleanup operations that we've got to do is have we gone past that tipping point yet or are you still very hopeful that we can we can clean things up well in terms of plastic i mean the, the damage has very much been done to the oceans um the great news is, is that they will apart from the sort of tiny microplastics that the, the if we can stop plastics getting into the sea then the seas will in time clean themselves by through storms and through wind it will blow the plastic up across um so the storms will lift it up from the seabed storms will blow it into land and so by continuing to support and mobilize community beach clean efforts that's the best way to clean the oceans is to really get the plastics off of the beaches when it's been sort of um purged from the sea really um, so there's obviously the you know the, the two issues of stopping it from getting in there and then cleaning it up um, through things like community beach cleans. Um, but there's a lot of other you know big stuff going on with the oceans that you know not just plastic. Ocean acidification is a is a is a growing concern as there's increased CO2 in the atmosphere. The oceans are sucking that up. 
um, and becoming too acidic from absorbing too much CO2. We've got the ice caps that are melting at um, unprecedented rates and overfishing and over fertilizers because of the runoff from the land. So there's, there's a lot that's stressing the oceans and certainly City to Sea can play its part in helping people make the connection from what they eat to what they flush down the toilet to you know how they travel. All of these things are interlinked. And I think going back to what you said right at the beginning about how you know we can all have an impact and we you know whether it's something small just recycling at home or we go and evolve and get into a, a you know beach cleanup or just doing other community-led stuff or maybe being getting a part of your you know the refill campaign and being a champion in your area there's loads of options for us now isn't it to, to actually play our own roles yeah i mean that's the one of the joys of of being a change maker and being active and participating in whatever in whatever way we can and that can be from your home or that can be out in the community is generally it brings you joy it's a it's a joyous thing you meet new people you get out more you feel like you're doing some good in the world so you don't feel so powerless um so there there are real benefits to um to, to taking action and especially if we can do it without um without a kind of without attachment to whether or not it's it's going to save us or not or is it going to work or not because you know ultimately we don't really know we don't really know if the scientists who predict we're heading for a four degrees warming by the end of the century are right we don't really know if gases like methane hydrate that are now sort of leaking out of the oceans are going to spark um in the next 10 years we don't know if technology is going to advance at such a rate that you know we're all going to be fine so getting close with your communities growing veg working on refill schemes you know really kind of doing projects like that is is a very empowering thing to do and it, it builds resilience as well so you know if if there are things like food shortages or um, tensions because of climate migration or those sort of things, actually having really strong relationships in your community is going to be a really valuable thing. Yeah, that's very sound advice. You touched on it about growing food and doing it on a community level. Is it closer to home? What sort of advice would you say to people you know, if they're looking to make some simple changes in the actual household? Well, I mean, think starting with plastic, just kind of do a little bit of a, an overhaul um, through your life and see which which things you can commit to to ditching um, which you know so which things you can actually do without when it comes to single-use plastic um, and which things you can reuse and so you know you've got your reusable bottle your coffee cup um, all the um, you know your, your reusable cutlery just sort of your basics like that when you leave the house and then in terms of like the big stuff that we can do for reducing our carbon emissions would be to eat a lot less meat. So, you know, not eating meat more than once a week. Um, if you don't want to be vegetarian or vegan, that is. Um, so yeah, massively reducing meat and dairy intake, massively reducing the number of flights you take if you fly regularly um, and switching to a green energy supplier. Those are all, those are sort of three big things that you can do alongside um, phasing out plastic from your life.
Yep, all um, all doable things for the for the most part, and especially you know the green energy at home. Like we shift to a we did actually look to get solar panels on our home, but because we just didn't face the right way, we were like north facing, so it just wasn't going to be feasible. But there's so many mm. good energy suppliers out there now, and they match. In fact, some of them are very beat the prices of you know the the gas and the, energy, yeah. yeah the conventional way so and it feels yeah. good it does it feels good we had an electric car for a few years and it just felt good knowing that we were plugging it in and we were charging it up from home from a renewable energy source which was coming off someone else's solar panels and it just felt good about us doing something it good. does doesn't it and yeah. then you tell people about it and then people are like, oh god that look like they're having a really good time doing that and that looks like that feels really good so i might do it too so yeah, yeah it's good good for you yes well you know we'll try and do our do our bit in 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 some way so what do you think then about say um behind extinction rebellion at the moment then and all the the activities that they've been doing i am yeah i've been i've been involved um in extinction rebellion for i don't know probably a year now um i wouldn't say i'm sort of at the core and sort of you know fully involved but I've got my affinity group I've been on a few actions um and I think like as a result of school strike for climate with the stuff that came from from Greta um with the youth strikes uh with Extinction Rebellion like there is no doubt that all of these actions over the past year have contributed to what is now being seen as a real sea change in terms of how climate change is now actually being addressed and talked about and um, not just climate change but the ecological emergency the fact that the government have declared a climate emergency obviously we need to see the action to follow that up but um, Bristol here declared that it will be carbon neutral by 2030 so um, you know that there's been real change in how the news is reported and uh, and that's been as a direct result of people taking to the streets and being seen and being vocal and standing up for the planet and also on that level when you're going out and you're getting involved in that thing you, you develop that talk about community before you develop a community spirit in, no in it's so amazing well. like i've in my affinity group i've met so i've got uh two doctors and an nhs manager in my affinity group i've got an it worker and someone else who works in logistics and an actor um and a scientist <laughs> and wow. it's like i just wouldn't have met all those people in uh, you know in everyday life because we've got different social circles we've got different work circles and it's just been amazing it's been that that's been you know super super lovely and you know whilst i don't agree with all of um sort of extinction rebellions tactics the fact is that it is self-organizing so you can't kind of always predict who's going to do what and where but it is you know it's incredible that whole self-organizing thing which is very participatory is is really refreshing and it's incredible to see and witness and be part of this this movement which it is self-organizing it's kind of like a beautiful chaos which actually brings results <laughs> yeah yeah it is isn't it and you got the is it the people's assembly yeah. yeah and i think i even saw some of the manifestos recently they're talking about that they would uh, attempt to adopt that in some ways a bit more than i think the more that we can um 
bring the power back down to the communities and, and people from a community level can be making more of an influence in the lives and the choices of how say policies are run and the government and stuff rather you know decentralized and stuff in some ways and i think can only be a good thing in many ways if we can get the right policies in place yeah i mean certainly bringing some power to the people you know in terms of making the decisions around um things that are going to impact the environment is really sensible given how swayed our government is by corporate lobbyists so actually making those decisions free from that kind of influence would be a really wise thing to do we will see i think that you know you say there's definitely been a sea change for stuff particularly since around 2012 it feels like something has been changing there's something in the air of people like enough's enough we can't continue down this path of you know, destroying the planet, you know, a few hundred years ago, a hundred years ago, or if, even, you know, said earlier on 20, 30 years ago, it may have felt like it's okay. We can continue to go down this path. There's not, there's a finite amount of resources for us to use yet. We live in a system, don't we, which is based on infinite growth and putting yeah. profit before everything else. And the more companies and charities that are in place with you, but also big companies that are, you know, they've got the right ethos in place to care for the planet as well and to care for the staff and it not just be about shareholders' profits. And I think more of them are growing. I think one of them is, what's the big one? Is it Patagonia? Close. Yeah. It, you know, they are really, you know, they're a huge company, and but they have got such amazing ethos. In yeah, they are exemplary, aren't they? I mean, mm. it's, it is absolutely brilliant to have pioneers um, like... Patagonia around as a as a business which which shows people how things can be done um it's it's yeah it's fantastic and I I think and and the great thing about them is they also encourage people to buy less as well not just you know it's not it's about buying what you need to buy and buying it quality when you do need to buy it um but yeah, I mean, certainly not everyone can afford to buy Patagonia clothes. So, you know, it, it's sort of, it's still quite a privileged position to be in for those that can, you know, afford to buy a Patagonia jumper or jacket or something. So I think sort of whilst they are, you know, really representing the true cost of, you know, ethical garments and, and products, we still have to look at ways in which the environmental movement can be inclusive for, for families on lower incomes and make sure that, and that's where things like legislation um, and, and bans really help because it's not about the individuals having to make those choices. It's the government has made those choices um, in effect for us. So supermarkets and, you know, polluters have to pay for the cleanup rather than the public. Um, and rather than water companies, for example, having to pay for the fact that most wet wipes are made of plastic and when people flush them, they block the sewers. So really, wet wipe manufacturers should be paying that. So things like, you know, polluter pays principle um, and then um, bounds on other things like we're seeing with cotton buds and straws and stirrers, those kind of things uh, can, can really help. Yeah. address environmental issues without it then affecting um or being um ex exclusively for those who can afford to make those changes yeah and it's at a corporation level it's, it's holding people accountable isn't it like you said then 
the companies publishing should be doing the cleanups, not necessarily people. And of course, people power and there's something um, empowering and amazing about getting along and doing stuff. It's even if you're just walking out on your streets on a walk and you're picking up some rubbish or doing stuff. But I think a lot of times corporations can hide around behind sort of the way things are, the way that the, the government's set laws and set things in place so they can get away with it. But is it the big, big oil spill that's, you know, that we've had over time and there's loads of stuff that have happened in the Amazon, I think, you know, which is just so destructive. And yet, you know, the companies will fight tooth and nail through the courts not to have to pay for stuff and to run yeah, all sorts exactly. of different campaigns. And Yeah, and still still all going on now. So, yeah, yeah we do, you know, I think sort of um, certainly in terms of the Amazon, I mean, eating less meat is something that that everyone can afford to do. Um, and can make a really significant impact on on you know things like deforestation, um, so uh, and and greenhouse gas emissions. So, yeah. I was going to say yeah, there's lots of things that we can do, and there's lots of positives, and um, yeah, it's um, it's incredible. I feel really um, honoured really that I've been able to um, sit down and you know like have a chat with you about this because you really are making it's so inspiring and my podcast is called the Google podcast and I couldn't think of many others who are, are doing as good as you are and hopefully I can imagine <laughs> that you're going to inspire a lot of people with this. oh well that's very sweet of you to say so I'm definitely one of millions of us that are out there now um you know making a difference but it's, it's a real pleasure to to speak to you too and that's an honor for you for me to be um for you to be sharing city to seas work out in the world and mine too and I'm, I'm grateful for that yeah um so just a few more questions and then we can wrap up um and like so talking about doing good who who, who else do you admire uh, whether it could be individuals that are, you feel like are going out and doing amazing work in the world or it could be corporations or anything who, who's um inspiring you right now well, apart from my CEO, who does all the hard work here at City to Sea, um, I would say I think people. I, I bumped into Caroline Lucas the other day, a Green Green MP, and um, I think our only Green MP. And it's just you know the amount of uh, abuse really our politicians have to deal with, no matter what party you're from, but especially if you're you know protecting the 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 earth. Um, is, is really significant. So I think anyone that is brave enough to stand for election and put their head above the parapet um, really gets my respect, but especially um, Caroline. Um, and I just, I think sort of um, the wave of, the wave of sort of youth strikers and, and activists now that are coming through, I just think there's, I, I get a real sense of, um, of energy and, and hope from that as well and how that's really changing things. So all the leaders of those movements um, and people behind those movements. And yeah, I think that, I think that's about it. Well, there's, there's more, there's lots more, but I'm yeah, sure, for now. <laughs> I'm sure there is. And I think what ties in quite well with that is talking about Karen, because she definitely does see like she's a real shining light in politics. And there's a few of us that are in there as well. I think that are doing the best. And but I think what ties in nicely you're saying about like the, how the youth are rising up is because they're getting active now in the teenage years, and it just goes to show like some of them are going to make amazing politicians in a few years, and they'll be all over it. Rather than maybe there's just like green shoots starting off about the place, and it might feel like a lot of 
politicians in some ways are influenced too much by corporations. A lot of these youth are going to come in and they're going to have such a strong moral compass and be guided in that way that they'll almost be uncorruptible and they'll have these real strong beliefs that, you know, they're not they're there to serve, not just to serve the people, but to serve the planet. Let's hope so. Yep, let's hope so. Mm-hmm. So the last question. Um, so this podcast is all about um, sharing what good people are doing, like what you're doing. What advice would you give to someone who's looking to go out there and do their own bit of good in the world? Get by my book. <laughs> I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of ways. Hundreds and hundreds? Definitely a couple of hundred, a few hundred ways in which you can help change the world um, in the book. So, I mean, obviously that would be a great start and then go through that and just find which ones you love the most. I think kind of focus on what brings you the most joy. If you're really, really into cars and bicycles, then, you know, focus on shifting that aspect of your life. If you're really, really into travel, then focus on greening that aspect of your life. If you love food, focus on inspiring others to switch to plant-based meals so i think kind of you know it's helpful to to focus on what you love um because that keeps you energized and excited whilst you're sometimes coming up against resistance yeah that sounds like very sound advice so where can people find out more about you and and also get access to your book uh so personally my website is nataliefee.com and city to see is city to see.org.uk Perfect. And then like, you know, all of the social media. So I'm on Instagram, Twitter, um, mostly, um, and city to see is across all of those and Facebook. Well, I'll be sure to show all the links to them things as well. Thanks for your support. It's much appreciated. There's today's episode all wrapped up guys. Um, if you get a chance, check out Natalie's new book. I'm sure it, there's going to be some great things in there to inspire us. Even if you were to just take a handful out of the hundreds that are there, then um, we can start to make a bit of a difference to things in our lives and our communities and the world at whole. So yeah, all the stuff we talked about today are in the show notes on the website. So you can check out Natalie's website. You can follow her. You can watch her TED talk. I've even put a link to her song that she created. Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, have a good one.